we're trying to open people's imaginations up about what that means to speak of faith and, and how different that is for different people, you know. Um, there are different words, spirituality, religion, theology, faith. I think faith is the one that's uh, that's the least troubling for, for people, but it doesn't have a lot of meaning, and we're really filling it with meaning. Um, in, are you a Christian? Am are I Christian? Devoted Christian? I am, I am Christian, and I have a theological education. But, but the program is about looking at how many different people live this part of their lives, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I, like, I think that the... I think that the that the central question of of all religion or that of this religious impulse in in our lives is you know what what does it mean to be human and the mm-hmm. questions around that and that mm-hmm. opens it up. I also think it's more much more about asking questions and having answers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and sometimes in America, especially the loud religious voices are people who have all the answers, and I don't think that's the way people live with this. So, um, so, so I just want to and and I. What do you think? Are you? We're good. I just want okay. to remind you on this mic placement mm-hmm. um, that you're not going to be talking directly into it. It's just going to kind of come out <laughs> the corner of your mouth. So you want me like this? Okay. I'll just adjust the mic to you. Okay. Yeah. Have <laughs> you been listening to me? Do I sound yeah. all right? No, Am I in the right fine. position? You are in the right position. Okay. okay. No, I, think, I think I like your questions because it's, it's, it's more in depth. Mm-hmm. You get me to talk about something that's I wouldn't be... T- able to i won't talk about it during the you know regular book stores right. or theaters because you don't get that deep you don't get time to get that deep mm-hmm. or generally people don't ask that pe- the question with this such depth yeah. so it's a very hard thing to talk about also i mean by definition i think we're mm-hmm. you're trying to you're trying to put words to something that defies words but then it's so interesting and important that you have to try i mean mm-hmm. i sort of think it's so amazing what you've done with the in your writing and, you know, sort of taking on the English language. I mean, you know, forcing those words out. And it's very beautiful. I mean, the, you you really are artistic with the language. But I just I feel like it's almost been an act of will, putting English words to your stories. Yeah. I don't know. In some ways I see it as there's an analogy between what we're trying to do with this subject on the radio. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I guess because I was, un- I was not conscious about it. About it. Not conscious about, like uh, you know, doing something with the English language. It scares mm-hmm. me the idea. I think what I'm trying to do is try to sound Chinese as much as possible. Right. And I think because the beauty of the Chinese language, and I think that uh, I have a uh, desire to introduce that to American, the yeah. world of American literature. And I thought it's like you go to the Forbidden City. And that's Chinese, you know, summer palace. You see this different idea of, for example, landscaping. And you see a lot of uh, landscaping here. You, you you see manicured lawns, especially in California. But it, but it, the concept in China is like, like for the imperial, as I was researching for the book, I found that concept it was beautiful, that they plant the roses, for example. They from put the dark ones near, and then the, they go getting lighter and lighter, and eventually the pink and the white one that fades into the clouds. Mm-hmm. So it's like construct something that's so, how would I put it? It's like something so, they, they, so thoughtful, and it, it's, it's contrived, but it, it's so natural that you feel it's, it's a God stroke, mm. you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love and, that. And in terms of language, we, uh, for example, in America, I think there's, um, for example, um, if I want to teach my daughter, says, oh, you, you got to be sensitive to other people's needs. And I would just use that dry word, you got to be sensitive. But in Chinese, uh, for example, what Chen, Mao Zedong, he, he's a representation of China in a big way. And he would say, oh, you don't go to a bald-headed monk to ask to borrow a comb. Right. So this is a very... It's a, it's a visual, even the language. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, you are not... We don't just interview religious figures. In fact, we don't, we don't interview many religious authorities at all. But obviously, <clears throat> you know, you're not, you're not... You don't stand for anything religious. I'm very interested, though, when I read your works. Well, I just think you have a big spirit that comes through. And when I read your, your novels and your books... Um, just between the lines, I think you make observations about the soul or right mm-hmm, or what mm-hmm. it is to be human. I say if I think that if you think of that as a core question, mm-hmm. and then I, I would say something that's always fascinated me about China that I'd like to understand more is I think China is this great civilization, this great ancient civilization, which unlike um, many of the other great cultures, hasn't had a major religion at its core. And so, you know, what is, I'm just really interested, and I think maybe I want to refer to your books all the way through and how this comes out in your books, but I think I might just start by asking you to talk about how you hear, how you experienced this thing, faith, you know, growing up in China and what that meant to you and how did, how did it manifest itself? I would say that we, and never, it never occurred to me that I should think about it, and because it, I never thought I belonged to myself. That you belong to yourself. Right. Mm. And because I was taught to write, I love you, Chairman Mao, before I was taught to write my own name. It was never, I love you, Papa, not, I love you, Mama. It's always, I love you, Communist Party of China, I love you, Chairman Mao. And now looking back, I think they, the dictator, really manipulated in something that, in human nature, that's very profound and decent, that is a desire to be good. And I think that you call faith, I don't know how to put it, it's just something that sustains us, mm. make, made the meaning of the life. And I think that's what the whole Chinese culture is basically basically about uh, even Mao and, and um, Communist Party during the Cultural Revolution tried everything to, to erase that, to, get, to destroy that kind of faith. It was not successful because I think by ground, the grassroots, people like my grandmother, that I, she lived by the Yangtze River, a small town, had bound feet, and I always feel that's um, her way of living it's um it it had a great impact a great influence on me which is basically just be good hmm. to others and then you'll feel you know you'll be good to yourself and i think with that notion i think it, the chinese culture is it is formed that way and then when it's manipulated 
by Mao, and he was so, in a way, brilliant, knowing how to use his people by by um, provoke the the desire in his people to be good. For example, this is how he launched our our the nation's campaign to against Americans in Vietnam. Vietnam, and he would say that. Uh, Americans are in Vietnam, Vietnam slotting the Viet Cong, and China will be next. Now, first he instill fear in us. So we live in this nightmare that every day we watch the movies, propaganda movies, how the American soldiers scoop the Viet Cong's girls my age, scoop their eyes out, and uh, thinking that I would be the next and so when Mao says our relationship with Vietnam, it was like lips to gums. When the lips are gone, will the gums survive? And, and then he, he gets to the right point where he would say beautifully, he said, men of humanity would refuse to... Should I have my dad stop? No, no, that's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Men of humanity will refuse to preserve his life at the expense of that humanity. So it, we feel that we are honored mm-hmm. to look into the, the future, which has become a model, which was, to me personally, dreaming about tie grenades on my body and then go to Vietnam and jump, jump into American soldiers and blow myself up and then blow them too and uh, feel... That I, my life, I, I devoted to some to a good cause, and and I think inside I feel so torn and so this deep disagreement with that, and I need to challenge it. Even I don't know, you know, I'm happily married to to the former U.S. Marine and uh, Vietnam veteran, and the fact itself it was my challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that that you know, so you you imagine our wedding night, you know, he he would say that, you know, I, I hope I don't have night, uh, I don't have flashbacks, and I said I I hope I don't have flashbacks because, I grow up, you know, practicing, the the poking and the the mm. combat, mm. and then so you know how this whole in in the in the scope of this, whole thing, how could it be, misinterpreted. Okay, so there are a few different things here I want to go into, and um, I want to talk some more about Mao. But I think, okay, as I've tried to um, to learn more about this, it, it, what I understand is that, um, say, Confucianism. That is, <clears throat> I mean, just again to talk about the, con- the 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 culture in China that you grew up in. Maybe a lot of this wasn't uh, spoken or articulated, but. But this idea of behavior as being so important, as, as sort of taking precedence over your inner feelings, that, yeah. that's very Chinese, isn't it? I mean, doesn't that come all the way from, from Confucius? Yeah, I think so. What I want to say is that Mao was our religion. Mm-hmm. Right. His drive for goodness, yeah. his drive for, to liberate the poor people in America, mm-hmm. save the American children. Mm-hmm. Was a religion and 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 um, a strive for for goodness. Yeah. I know there's the there's a line in your in Red Azalea you wrote um, about how 
ennobling this was as a young person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he said, not for a day did I not feel heroic. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was the torture. The format was that we were taught if you can sacrifice your loved ones, if you can denounce your parents, if you can denounce your favorite teacher, and that means you can, you, you, are, you are capable of greater love for the humanity mm. because the smaller love you feel this person because this person is proven to be American spy and your parents is proven to be the enemy of our society and you're put on the spot to see how you behave and then it's always like a good battles the evil and we want the good to, to win so in some it's a, such a grand disguise, and things got messed up. And in the meantime, as the executor of such greatness, I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel I was crying when I was denouncing my favorite teacher. It was tearing myself apart. And, and the, I saw that day, I saw my neighbor, um, the father, was, was denounced. So he was forced to get up in the dark to sweep the lanes that you use a lot. I use this kind of um, details in my books for in Wild yeah. Ginger, and that's yeah. my own experience. And one morning, I look th- over throughout the window, and I saw he was trying to. He bent over the wheel, tried to get something out of the wheel, and then I knew that it was the kids who tried to make his work harder. They, they would throw cats in the well. So the old man has to get it out. So when he bent over and he had a stroke, and he, he, he didn't come came back straight up. And so we went to call his daughter. His daughter came rushing down all the way to the bank, to the well, and got the old man and held him. He was... Probably he already passed out. Dragged him. All of a sudden, the daughter let go of his father because he noticed that he was up. She was. She noticed that she was observed by all the neighbors. So she let down the father and make a a brave kind of grinning. It's like I care less about this man. And he she walked back to the house, and I remember this face. It was the. I don't have words to describe this face. It was torn. And she wants to show that I, I love the Communist Party's teachings. I wanted to live up to that everybody expectation, but I love my father. And then she decided to let father go. Mm-hmm. And then father died on the spot. And I don't know how people can live with that. And I couldn't live with the fact that I was one of the members who discovered that my friend Little Green in Red Azalea, mm-hmm. in the labor camp, was mating, right. coupling with her lover. So, okay, so here, here's something um, that's all the way through all the stories you tell. Uh, is this, there is this, this sort of cruelty, this, this low level, this ability to disconnect from, from these basic human impulses, like mm-hmm. loving one's father. And how, how do you explain that? I mean, there's also, there's a line in... Uh, in your novel, Catherine, now I don't know how much the, the the protagonist of Catherine is you, but you know she says something like that. She tells Catherine, who is this t- American woman who's come to teach them. She says, um, 
I told Catherine that I I believed firmly that humans were born evil. You know, and and there is this feeling that you can get reading a lot of the very sad stories you tell. Uh, that that is an observation that someone could make in that China in which you grew up. I mean, how do you how do you explain that? Well, this is just uh, I learned from life that from the very beginning, the American, you talk about democracy. You want to give Iraqi people democracy. You want to give Chinese people democracy. I don't think that people can, when they are not ready, they can't make use of a democracy. They turn that democracy into disaster. And you see this in Iraq yeah. today, but you fail to see this is in China. The beginning of cultural revolution was total democracy. People had all the rights. And for them, we, at that time, didn't understand that democracy comes with a package, given and take, the one package. But for people, at the time, it was just take. So my downstairs neighbor, they feel that uh, they, don't have, they didn't have a toilet. We had a two toilets, so they wanted to come up, grab one toilet. And then there was space. They had 11 people or adults living in one room. We had uh, six people, four ch- small children, Four rooms. Mm -hmm. They feel that they are entitled to fairness, to equality. And they come up, they claim that. And when my my mother said no, and they come up with chamber pots and pour the feces on my blankets. So, so this is the the environment that it's a reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it about poverty though? I don't think it's just about. Poverty and, not and scarcity. Poverty. No, it's, I would say that it's deprived of deep deprivation of, of understanding and education. More of it's mm-hmm. the basic education. We didn't know better. Mm-hmm. But so it's just I'm just you know, I'm, and I don't I don't I don't even know what I'm asking. I mean, it, there's there's this big um, contrast between the philosophy that even was embodied in Mao's teachings of of being good and behaving in the right way. And then the way people seem to treat each other in in ordinary daily life, that, yeah, but that, it that was, seemed to be so so degraded in some ways. Oh yes, but it was it was for the good cause, for the greater cause, greater love, mm-hmm. greater sacrifice. So it's Chinese are known for the fi- family unit, mm-hmm. the love, and and when you are able to sacrifice that, you can you. I would be able to go to Vietnam, come back, you know, a dead soul, but be happy. Mm-hmm. It's it, because it's a it's a religious feeling. It's it's a, it's the highest form of happiness in a way. It's it's zealot, you know. It's crazy, but but it, I feel that after we have gone through the Cultural Revolution, that comes to a political maturity, mm-hmm. and I think Chinese people. We are where we are today. We, in a way, that negative lesson really served us well today. You feel that the the negative lesson of what of confronting that of realizing what had happened of living through that okay. that that religious he'll feel used by Mao mm-hmm. and still there's not a one word about justifying that and the, about recording or face that period of history. None was written. Mao's picture still hang on the great Tiananmen Gate and mm-hmm. being respected as George Washington of China. 
So tell me how living through that helped because people nevertheless, even though that picture still hangs there, never, nevertheless process that experience. I think it's more of the the, the pain, the reflection, the inner reflection mm-hmm. in, in each individual, mm-hmm. which ironically made us a better human being, a mature individual that whenever whoever leader comes up and we would not follow blindly because he could speak beautifully. So I want to ask you about um, you know something that is always present in, in your stories you tell in your books is how tortured even these basic human impulses like um, love was. How, mm-hmm. how difficult, how fraught and forbidden. And I'm just, I'm wondering how you, how you make sense of, you know, what, why, why was that? Why was love or just even attraction, even beauty, why was that also dangerous in that worldview? Well, it was very simple. It was um, the Communist Party's way, Mao's way to control the billing population. Because once you discover love, and you don't want it to be a martyr anymore. You don't want it to be what? A, ma- a martyr. Oh, you don't want to be a martyr? Okay. Martyr because anymore. you actually have something else to live for. Exactly. Yeah, oh. it's so basic that you have family, you can be with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, you just, quote unquote, qu- corrupt. <laughs> um, but what was it in Chinese culture that allowed people to... I mean, I know, you know, you tell stories. Of course, people did fall in love anyway, right? And mm-hmm. people were attracted to others. But um, but I, I do feel that there's something in, in your culture that, that allowed a much higher tolerance for that, for that mm-hmm. forbiddenness, right? Than you could, say, impose in a culture like this. I mean, so tell me, what is it in Chinese culture? And it seems to me it's something spiritual, too. It's the way people viewed themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about what that is. Again, this is it's the faith of... To be good is to be close to, to God. We don't know where our God is different from your God, but that that was the what may make you feel a sense of purpose of living and and feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to two thousand years, starting with Confucius' teaching, and the basic words that Mao fought so badly. It was in our textbooks during the Cultural Revolution. Was these four words called Keji Fuli. Keji means bend and, and, and disregard ji, the self. And fu means obey. Li means the higher moral. Okay. So, so I think that as a culture, we, we are we're able to live together for so many years and, being, and put an f- emphasis on harmony. And in fact, I grew up like a sharing one toilet with three families, you know, every morning, 20 people, because we go to, we go to, we went to work at the same time. So 20 people would attack that, that try to occupy that toilet. And we never fought. So you always like hold your, your, yourself and try to let other people use it. And because of that, and other people appreciate that and return the courtesy, and I think that doesn't matter how sometimes hard, you know, the revolution calls, but still the fundamental of the Chinese culture is immense in this Koji Fuli, the Confucius teachings, mm-hmm. and of being good. So I think for Mao, it, 
it, the purpose of a revolution was that he wanted China to be strong because because of that, the nation is so submissive for the past hundred years. And you see from Empress Orchid's time, mm-hmm. we were invaded. First was the Opium War, took place 1840. And the second Opium War... And the Second Opium War, 1860, and then the invasion of China by 13 nations, um, burning down the imperial city um, in 1900. So what does that say? Mao was thinking that actually Mao was trying to achieve the higher moral and defense and protecting his, his, his country by thinking that if we destroy the Confucius belief... Mm-hmm. That, that passivity, that passivity, one, right. one expression of us. Right. We'll right. be able to defend ourselves. There's no opium selling. If you sell us opium, we're going to bomb you or do something. So he started out with that China being strong. Actually, he was not geared to Americans. He was gearing to Stalin because he was, he was, um, took advantage by, by, uh, by Stalin. And and the passivity also, I think, comes from this Taoist strain, right? Mm-hmm. The what is it? The Wu Wei is that is that how yeah, you say it? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not striving. Mm-hmm. And is that? Um, well, talk to me about that. About where well, that fits into all this. Well, it's a, a full. It's a method to 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 nowadays the people. I wouldn't even call necessary young people, mostly young people, thinking that you're fooling yourself. It's a loser's philosophy. It's like you can't make it, and you say because I don't want it to make it. Okay. And you you see that in the selection of the emperor, that if you read Empress Orchid mm-hmm. and her husband Xianfeng was selected over the more capable Prince Kong, and actually, when these two brother, when Tao Kuang Emperor tried to see the fourteen sons, which two would be the potential candidate for the for the successor, and the grander tutor play a uh, a great strategy uh, on the weaker one. So when Xianfeng, when is Xianfeng? Who's number this, four? Yes. And the Prince Kong's number six mm-hmm. son. So the number four son, he couldn't fight, and his academics not that good. So when it was obvious that the the number six son was the better choice, and then the grand tutor taught number four a strategy. He says, you go in and tell your father, he says, you know, on that hunting day that he is seeing the sons are supposed to show their abilities. And you tell him, it's not that I can't hunt the deers, I can't bring you the tigers. It's because I feel sympathy for the animals because it's the season of spring and animal mating and they're pregnant. The nature is pregnant with spring. And 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 the Tao Kuang Emperor was so infused with that that notion, he was moved. He thought that that kind of merciful thinking and it's gonna make a great emperor. So he gave his position to the loser. Mm-hmm. So that's how China came about. Is losing all the way, and and today people just woke up says, you know, we gotta change. <laughs> So it's a, it was a hard lesson. Mm-hmm. But still, people didn't believe that it was wrong to 
to uh, not to magnify the individual, the me, 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 mm-hmm. which I see in America. See my own daughter; she was on one hand, you know, the individualism is so strong, which is absolutely great. She would not stand for something that she thought it's absolutely wrong. She mm. would stand out and fight it. Great. That was the element that makes what a great country America is. But in the meantime, it's not balanced. She would be so it's extreme the other direction, right? Yeah, she would. For example, we a week ago we went to Chicago, and I asked my father to take take her. So they get on the train. My daughter was zip onto the train, and um, would not pay attention to my father. Here, my father comes up, and then he. He's outside the train. The train moves. Daughter's inside. The old man's outside. And, and he didn't speak English. Now, the good thing is, <laughs> my daughter is so American, so independent, although she's 12 years and she found herself a police person. And says, my grandfather, I lost my grandfather. And she's able to locate, relocate him. So it's, it's the balance. And I think that that's what it, what's important. That's what's missing. And I don't want, I don't desire to see China go overboard with the the national defense. Mm-hmm. I think that in uh, in coming at your work and and trying, as I say, between the lines to to think about what what you were writing about that had to do with the spiritual aspect of being human, um, I, f- I realized for the first time that for you, writing, doing the work that you're doing now, which is your latest book, Empress Orchid, and you're doing this trilogy, I think. Is that right? Yeah. For you, going back to ancient Chinese history, in fact, is very, I mean, it's all connected with with these questions of what it means to be Chinese and, and how that's changing now, isn't it? Because there is such a spiritual connection with ancestors and with history in a way that maybe Americans can't understand yeah i think it's a a big deal Mm. especially the language i mean what did you tell me about as you went back to that period of chinese history how that has changed the way you understand the present and again if we're thinking about these matters of the spirit the soul um the striving to be human well it's it was a very um sad period of china at that Mm -hmm. time china was forced to to accept the opium because they, at the beginning, China thought that we would just confiscate the opium and burn it and didn't expect that the, the England would bring in fleets and uh, armies and destroy China. So it was not just the military, the, the invasion of China. It was more about the question of how our faith in humanity is helping us. So Empress Orchid questioned Herself, she says, I, I, I don't force the Chinese woman to unbind their feet, although I'm not for it. Because she's a, she's from Manchu race, mm-hmm. Mongolia woman, and they 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 have to they had to have big feet so they can get on the horses and to to, to live. But Chinese women, like my grandmother. When my great-grandmother bound her feet, she was crying. This is what my grandmother told me. But she did it for her daughter's good because she says, if I don't bind your feet and people will regard you as being made to labor, when you have the bound feet, Mm -hmm. people think that you're made to be carried around. So it's for prestige and better life. 
and and the empress workers is i think it's not right but i don't force them to to unbind their feet and why the foreigners come and force the opium on me and also force their religion mm-hmm. on her and it was a big time of questioning and a, and she witnessed her husband signing the unfair treaties day after day after day. And she, it's a moment of awakening, not necessary for good. It's also um, this religion of Mao that you described, the religious quality of that period of Chinese history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a reflection of that, of how mm-hmm. the emperor was, di- was divine and mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's so natural because you yes. see the history of China being being invaded and being torn apart. Yeah. Naturally, people want to change. And Mao took that and situation and manipulated. And what he says is, it's not something wrong with us. What's wrong with us is that, that we, 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 don't, we didn't stand up and fight. And, and so... Instead of focusing on his own problem, that he is his disability to manage the nation's eco- economy, and he diverted divert the, the focus into focus on the Americans as source of evil. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, people just you know he, he's he continued to get to be a god, to be a emperor, although he's failing his duty. Yeah. So it's the. It's a double sore in you know the Confucius teachings, but I think the maturity is that we are trying to today's Chinese people are trying to learn from the mistakes, and you realize that it is a double sore. You know the philosophy, as we continue to embrace it, in the meanwhile we try to find the balance. There is this uh, amazing, rich, colorful world of superstition and symbol. In the Forbidden City that you describe, mm-hmm. mm. I don't know. The it's thing, a, yeah, it's the fantastically it's ridiculous. Fanta- yeah, and I mean, even the names. I mean, the one, the Hall of Heavenly Harmony. The names of the buildings and the rooms are yeah. incredible. And oh, you know, the thousands and thousands of dragons that each have their own meaning and significance. And that's just those are just a couple of details. There's so many. Um, do those kinds of images? Are those kind of images also part of the imagination of of Chinese people now? Are those are those handed down? No, no, not no, at all. Not at all. Because okay. I think that's Chinese people are pretty clear about that. When you, it, it's a product of um, feeling inadequate, a product of feel there you are really. It's kind of knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing that you're not a dragon. Hmm. You know, Empress Orchid, she sat on the throne. She knows that she is... But she was supposed to be one of those dragons. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so she needs to create this facade, create this magnificent animal that you can't identify in real life because it's not real. So when she gives the audience, the distance creates myth and myth creates power. So it's every, has to be 100 yards away. Hmm. So they can't really see you clearly or hear you clearly. And it's... In American terms, it's almost it's like a packaging. Mm. <laughs> you know, the, I do see that uh, now you, you, you give more grant um, investment in, in the beauty of the box. And what's inside, it's almost irrelevant. So I think as Chinese know, this dragon is just 
stupid thing. And that's why you see that they create the dragon trying to make it look very playful. Mm-hmm. Especially the Chinatown version, the lion, you right. know, the, yeah. the, the, the dragon dance. It's, uh, but um, it's the superstitions and also it's, it has to do, it's very closely connected with madness. With madness? Mm-hmm. Mm. You see the Forbidden City and Emperor is told that he can tell the sun when to shine and the rain when to shower. But in fact, he couldn't, he had, he, he couldn't do anything about the invasion of China. Mm-hmm. He knew it. That's a problem and he couldn't handle it. So it's like a mentally depressed and, and feel absolutely helpless. And for these women, you 3,000 concubines try to compete for one man's uh, affection. When that, in most cases, it's like you're winning a lottery. Most people don't win the lottery. What do you do? You get depressed. <laughs> when you're depressed, what, what do you do? You rely on religion. So in my investigation and research, and the last days of these thousands of concubines, they spent all their lives saving. They don't have any place to really spend the money. First of all, they can ever be touched by an, by a man, although they never, many of them never get to meet their husband in their lifetime, mm-hmm. and also they are deprived from ever bearing children. So what they do, what I discovered is, well, first they turn into religion, and they think a lot about the afterlife. You said yes, they, yeah, yeah. So they spend the money and have these builders come and create a sculpture of Buddha in their bedroom living room, and it's so large that the head almost touched the ceiling, the stone Buddha, and they have a small bed sleeping right beside the, bu- the back of the Buddha. And they invest their imaginations, they have nothing to do, into their next life. And, and in the meantime, they embroidered stitch by stitch. And I studied the history of Chinese embroidery, especially by the imperial concubines, most, almost every one of them embodied, spent years and years, their youth, their dreams, onto this embroidery themed, basically the same thing. 100 children play on the ground. So you can kind of sense these women being driven mad. Mm-hmm. And in their madness, their, their, their imagination thrived. If those are their children? They imagine that's that's the children, yeah, you know. They, they so so him. many children play, and one of them they might get to be having them, you know, mm-hmm. in the next life. Mm-hmm. And you have these eunuchs; yeah. they got their organs removed, mm-hmm. and their biggest dream was to buy back their 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 male organ, and so they can be buried one piece. So they say, you know, if I come back as a dog, I won't be a three-legged dog. So it's it's the invest investing in these these um, so they can be redeemed, you know, mm. from whatever they say. I'm I'm suffering for a reason, you know. And again, it struck me with the eunuchs. Um, it's it's a, a perversion, you know, of of what in some traditions in some traditions, let's say in Christianity, there's this monastic tradition. I mean, there are in many great traditions. There's a, a a strain of, of celibacy, of spiritual discipline and sacrifice. That's mine. Do you want to... <laughs> Sorry. I just want to adjust this microphone. Okay. 
No, just just turn it off when you find it. God, I can never find it. That touch. Turn mine off too. I'm lucky. Just turn it off. Sorry. If you push push down the red button and it'll go off completely. I'm sorry. Yeah. <sighs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. Is this okay? Are you? Yeah, it's good. All right. Okay. It's, it's fascinating listening. Well, you know what I'm thinking also as we're talking is that when we do the radio show, we'll be able to read passages of Empress Orchid, right? Okay, yeah. And then hear you talk like this, and it'll be wonderful. It's like the listener gets two layers. They get okay. the story that you tell. So I'm sort of not having you. I'm, I'm editing in my head, and I'm imagining I don't have to have you tell the whole story because we can have someone read it, and then mm-hmm. you can be talking about it. It'll be yeah. great. Yeah. Um, okay, so what, you know, what I'm thinking of is that, let's say, in Christianity, there's this large tradition of celibacy and of, of, of sexual um, control f- f- as a spiritual discipline. And then in this, in this world of the Forbidden City that you write about, there's this huge tradition of the eunuchs, and it's it's such a, a terrible perversion of that idea. I mean, it's enforced, physically enforced mm-hmm. discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I don't know. Have you thought about that? I, um, yeah. I, I make a connection with that, with the labor camp experience. Mm-hmm. It's strange that as, as, as I was writing the eunuchs and the process of how they became who they are, um, the sick sickness of the mind, how that came to formation, I feel that I almost knew exactly how that would happen, how the sick mind was created. And for the eunuchs, you have brilliant ones, good ones, like Antahai. He would say... And that was Empress Orchid's eunuch. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. He identifies with underdogs, because he considered himself an underdog. So when Empress offered this showing herself, she's, you know, like offering, kind of lowering herself down because she is a human being, so she needs a, she needs connection. Mm-hmm. So when she sent a hint that she was willing to share that feeling of an underdog with Antihai, immediately they stroke a strong friendship, which they need each other to survive, especially when Antihai said, that I feel like a... Squirrel who has dragon's ambition. And I knew that I would never achieve it, but I could not be less than who I am. And that really make that stroke something in Empress Walker. She felt the same way. Although she would never be, ab- be able to touch a man or be touched. And she was 20, mm. only 25, 26. And, but she wouldn't give up living. And how? And you said that you you made a connection for you. There was a connection between that and and being in the labor camp where right. you spent years. Right. In the labor camp, we almost we were mentally castrated. That that's the method how the Communist Party, how Mao controlled the billion people by taking away their fundamental needs of being love and and because I think a love aroused so much such a grand feelings of giving when you're happy 
when you're content and you feel, you start to think about, you start becoming more of a human. And this is what, I mean, you know, I'm jumping forward about my being American today. I do want to offer, I see my daughter wanted to offer to share this happiness, which when I was in China, when I was eating out of garbage can, I wouldn't, I feel that I probably, because of my mother's teaching, I never really wanted to grab everything to myself. And I was never that strong. But I saw kids, they just tear each other up. They would pull my hair, put soy sauce in and step on me, beat me up just for one piece of cabbage leaf. And then you're turning to animals because you don't feel love. I mean, it's a very complex Thing it has to do with poverty, it has to do with education and religions and background and everything. But in a fundamental sense, when humans are allowed to be humans, they start to transform. When that's taken away in the labor camp, a hundred thousand youth aged from seventeen to twenty-five were not allowed to date. The mm. price of date was mm. was death if caught. The man would, would the woman, we would, the, the party would work on the woman until the, the girl agrees to denounce the man and say he's the, she was raped. And you know, our country was a proletarian society where it's crime-free. And the rapist would be dragged on and put a bullet in his head. And his family would receive an envelope with an empty bullet and they were asked to pay 26 cents. And that word of mouth gets going, mm-hmm. so that put us in the lot. So we learn this is a monkey, a, a, a chicken is killed, and so the monkey was shocked. We were the monkeys. I really feel like we were, we were the monkeys. We were castrated. So, okay, so this is helping me because, you know, again, I keep asking the same question, and it is about, about how cruel people would be to each other in these extreme situations. I mean, you just tell one story after the other about sort of routine cruelty and meanness, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the question that, are, that, that comes to me is, uh, you know, because I really think there is something, there is, there is such a thing as human nature. It's almost like you're describing a different human nature in that China that you know. Mm-hmm. There's something in me that wants to resist that idea. Yeah, but, but the maybe big you're giving picture a description. is that we were yeah. we were growing rice, and this is what needed. We need to focus. We need to take our human nature, ourself, out of out of our nature, and replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. With that, we were machines, slaves, just for this gathered together billion people to save the world, mm. and that is so mystic and is so far away and is so grand. It's like, you know, because it's a fantasy, mm-hmm. and it gets us to do what we did. And of course, in depression, and when we when we do love, we know the price of love, and and that relationship built is absolutely. How do you say it's the best of the human heart could perform mm-hmm. in such extraordinary, impossible situations, and I think that's what Empress Orchid performed in in Empress Orchid in, in in my book. I would try to show this human spirit that try to survive. Mm. Yeah, 
And I, I think um, you had this very, in, in the labor camp, you had this very um, important friendship and love with your friend Jan, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah. So, right, so you were, I mean, you were young people, all of you, right? No, you're not allowed to date. That creates a form of madness. There's this intensity just about, seems like even just about physical contact or about any right. kind of human relationship. Mm-hmm. And then even that kind of ordinary human relationship became a form of incredible self-sacrifice and risk, mm-hmm. didn't it? Yeah. We tried to be less than who we were, but we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And And I feel that it was the spiritual... We, we sh- when we share that that love, that we were able to survive. So when you talk about faith, that was the faith that made it, made us. I don't know how many people came out of labor camp still normal, are still capable of love. Many people just gone completely. And I saw Mao. He had a, all his children with this either damaged during the war or killed his elder sons killed by Americans in Korean War. Mm-hmm. And he suffered tremendous loss. His wife was slaughtered by Kuomintang. And you expect him to understand that expect him to not to do what he did for his people during the Cultural Revolution. But he seems to be cold and numb and uh, unfeeling completely. So I think that that needs to be analyzed. That needs to be talked about. But China is in denial, and it's very sensitive on that subject. You can't talk about Mao. And I think he's such a great example of how a human could be put in such a situation and the, and develop the sickness of the, ma- the mind that would never heal. I'd, I'd like to... I'm curious about how you... How you've healed, you know, and how you are healing even still. I mean, I guess the two stories that come to mind if I think of what I've read of, of your works are you you mentioned a while ago you denounced your favorite teacher. Mm-hmm. That was a real turning point for you. I was 11 the, years old. Where the yes. conflict in you then came out because mm-hmm. you'd been such a great patriot and then that was right. a terribly painful experience and she wouldn't forgive you later, right? Right. And then And then your friend Jan, who you loved and... And then you sort of had a different fate, and mm. she stayed there. And I wonder, I mean, how do you, are you able to forgive yourself? And how do you, how do you bear the burden of those memories? By writing. I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't writing all these books if I don't feel those, you know, the, how do you call, the living, the guilt. Mm. Um, it's not that you were put into these impossible situations, right? It's not. Yeah. I mean, in both well, of those cases, you you almost didn't have choices, right? right. Not right. not to hurt those people, right. and yet I can imagine that that you still carry that. Yeah, I, I abandoned them. Abandoned. You know, I thought to myself in America, at least I could write about Little Green's story because nobody is writing about. And Little story. Green was the woman who had an affair. Right, right. she camp. was recalled in the wheat field, mm-hmm. coupling with her lover, and denounced her lover with the help of Ye and others, and believing that she was doing something good. And then her lover was executed, and she went mad. Mm-hmm. And they were really just two teenagers who fell right. in love. Right, and I feel that 
cultural revolution is not Madame Mao's fault, not just Mao's fault, as we put it right now. Everybody is, you know, guilt-free in China. It's we who participated, we did it. And we don't, it's so easy just to escape it, you know, just forget it, don't mention it. But I couldn't forget Little Green story. There is no, you know, she, 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 she just, <laughs> it's so easy just to forget. And I think that I, maybe that's the driving force, and I was not even aware of it. I don't understand why I don't sit here on my left butt, you know, writing. Because of your injuries in the labor camp that you have right. to sit on your left side. Right. Yeah. It's the spinal cord distortion. Right. And, and why I'm doing this? I think it must be you brought it up today. I think it must be those things that I would not be able to live with. And I th- you asked me how I changed. I think um, coming to America plays a big part. If I were in China, I would die in confusion. Because these problems, the mental knot, I, I couldn't unknot it. And I couldn't do anything about it. And it was too close. I didn't have a perspective, couldn't see. So so coming to America, I think what moments that struck me was that you know, my, my daughter was in the nursery school. First thing she was taught was was love. Mm. And and then she would, you know, come home and say, Everybody's different, but everybody's perfect. And things like that. You know, I, it, it moves me. And also the incredible moment I share with other immigrants and the day that we we joined, became, we were accepted as American citizens in the big hall in L.A. with 40,000 people, which is so ridiculous. You know, it's like we're all preparing you know, different languages, um, struggle, try to get the English right. When the music comes out, oh, say, we all fir- couldn't finish the first sentence first song and she just broke down crying we laughed smiling and crying looking at each other we know what it's like to be American it was to be allowed to be human to be ourselves you know moments like this and also you don't want me to go on with all these you know no it's fine go on great things about <laughs> yeah um I I um I feel that I am more Chinese in America than I could feel I was in China. You mm-hmm. know, the moment I step on my motherland in China, I would my guard would be up. I talk differently, behave differently. So why? How can you be more Chinese here? Just because you can be yourself, and yourself is Chinese. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Um, your second book was a novel called Catherine, and it was about a an American teacher who came to teach a group of Chinese mm-hmm. students. And in some ways, she becomes their encounter with America. Right, right. right. I just wonder if if, um, if that book is also a description in some way of your encounter with America. Yes, mm. yes. I mean, one thing that I noticed in that book, and it's not so much in your other writing, is you know, do you, you 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 talk about religious things, or you, you you know? There's a question you ask: Do I have a soul? And you talk about the great void. You mention sort of religious conversations that you have with, um, with your or that the protagonist has with her friend. Um, you talk about spiritual life, and uh, and I, I I guess I'm asking if 
we've been talking this whole time about the complexity in some ways the confusion of religion, religious strains in Chinese life. But does America make you think about these things differently, about the human spirit and about the role of religion? I would say that I still try to understand how the religion played a role in Americans' life. Mm. And for me, the religion, the Chinese religion, which my grandmother was a Taoist, it's, it's so practical. And for my mother, it was very practical. And my grandmother's story was that she, she was a um, Buddhist, and she never talked about her religion. She just live it, be kind to others, and take whatever that's in. If it's bad, she let it go. She doesn't go, you know, just dwell on it. She's always very positive. And if she had to yell, she yell at her chickens. <laughs> Um, and sometimes she told me that uh, she doesn't want the hearing aid because being deaf has its good side. So she saw, you know, other people's mouthing the bad things, <laughs> and she, she's smiling. Mm-hmm. I don't hear you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good part of religion. And, and the, my grandmother, I, it's always you know smiling and uh, mm-hmm. happy. I think it's a it's the choice of the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. choose not to hear you. So, whatever you you, you say, it's it's it doesn't function. You know, <laughs> and for my mother is the opposite. Uh, I found my mother's kind of strange. I I connect with her deeply, and, and yet there is hardly any connection. But since she's my mother, I, I just you know you just grow up in her. You're part of her tissue. Yeah. So. I remember when I came home after denunciation, I breaking down, crying. When and you did denounced your teacher. Yeah. Right. And I was awarded by the school and the principal, the entire district, the neighborhood, with red-colored certificate of Mao's good child. And, and I was so proud. I was the child, the best child in the neighborhood. And yet my mother refused to put that certificate on the wall. And he was not happy, and he told me he, she wants to disown me. And I was very confused. And she said, but she said something. She said, your father and I are, are, are teachers. Imagine if our student come up and denounce us. How would I feel? You know, it, she installed this common sense in me, that conflict with my vanity and, and my devotion to Mao's words. And so mouse being decent, be decent, be a good child to sacrifice for the world's best cause, conflict with my mother's little statement. That didn't she, in that time, you tell that story in the book, didn't she even quote Confucius sounding like Jesus, saying, don't do to others what you mm-hmm. wouldn't understand? Yes. It's just this, it's the golden rule, right? Yeah. Don't, so she, but it was, the, it was the, in the negative. It was don't do things to other people that you wouldn't want them to do to you. Right. Right. She spoke very little. Mm-hmm. She would, when we were starving, we had it infested in, with tapeworms. And uh, I would sit in the classroom, uh, although sometimes, you know, uh, my, my rear end would itch. And I knew that tapeworms trying to come out there. And sometimes I would feel, mm, you know, I know the tapeworms is, they breathe it so much that they try to come out of my mouth. Mm. And my classmate 
didn't show up the next day, and the teacher told us that she died because the tapeworm went through her appendix. And I, I, by the end of the month, I have to wash the rice jar because we we're out of rice, just to 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 you know to make a porridge out of basically water. And but my mother, the first month when she get her salary, she made the buns, steamed the buns. She always had me to send to the tailor. Hmm. You know, in Red Azalea, you see the tailor, and because he um, he had a bomb on his head, it's a it's a tumor something and he couldn't afford any any treatment so my mother would just say nothing just have me and i would i would so my eyes were just eating these <laughs> these bread you know feel like we are having nothing to eat and then, and then my mother would so generously sent me it was almost like a ritual hmm. and um she is a very stubborn woman she just wouldn't she had she has her principles and i think these kind of thing that uh, influenced me i think it's so so representational mm-hmm. of uh, chinese people mm-hmm. um and you know again how do you how do you experience the way americans are religious or talk about faith or their traditions mm. well i think it must be good so in general americans are kind-hearted and you can see them, the Chinese. We, first time we saw, first time I saw the American magazine, which is couldn't believe. The girl can smile, smile the way she does. You, you, you see, it's worry-free. There isn't burden, doesn't pressure of life on this face. This face absolutely has gone, suffered, uh, has no, no suffering. And we notice that because none of us can smile like that. And then I do discover that, uh, you know, maybe it's just uh, like a very short moment of generosity, but Americans would take out their money and offer their helps. Um, but so this, this religion, you know, you, you brought up by the religion must mm-hmm. be very, you know, good. And um, also I, I'm confused with, by certain things about, for example, abortion, that why you are so... Re- fervent about anti-abortion and for china it's we are we are our lives dependent on this policy that women are being able to go to clinic and and choose abortion because it's otherwise china will be a biggest burden on the united nation <laughs> on america too mm. you you go to shanghai in the raining days you can't when you open your umbrella, you gotta be careful because you gotta very likely you will poke other people's eyes or your eyes got poked because out. Because it's so crowded. This book. It's so crowded. Yeah. So my daughter goes to China. She she's so crowded that she just couldn't bear with it. You feel your breathing space is limited. Now you imagine if it's not when child policy, how the nations survive. We don't. We have limited resources. Mm-hmm. And so here in America, it's like you. I don't know, you know, it's not like you don't have the information. Mm-hmm. You you just, you. I don't know what this religion has anything to do with it yeah. and why. So you, you told me about your grandmother and your mother, and if I ask you now, in your life now, what that word faith means, what comes to mind for you? Comes to mind to me is that um, the the... Ability and the consciousness, consciousness of be, making a choice. And faith to me is that 
when it it only shines, it only tells who you really are, and you encounter faith when there is a you are at the point of where you can make a choice. Mm. It's not like a choice is there; it's so easy to make. You know, I can offer my neighbor say, "Okay, I can take care of your dog." Faith is when there is absolutely that when you have no choice yet you are forced to make a choice mm. and that's how you act out whether you have good faith and then that really place and it will it will it will you will be who you are and will show who you are at that moment like give me an example i mean what do you think of in in your life how that plays itself out? i want to we haven't talked about god at all and i don't think i mean god is not really part of your imagination is it i don't it doesn't seem like it's really part of the Chinese imagination, but tell me if I'm wrong. Well, you're right about it, but I think Chinese believes in a higher force. Um, there is a force. Um, my my father's in in a instructor in astronomy, mm. and he, you know, at night he goes to see, meet his stars, and uh, I asked him. Do you believe in God? He said, I, I don't necessarily believe in the image of that God, you know, on Sistine Chapel, but I do believe there's a force. It's a spiritual force. Mm-hmm. And um, that the, the biggest force is in yourself. You know, that's very Buddhism, mm-hmm. that the Buddha is inside of you. And um, yeah, that's how we see it. Is that how you see it also? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I notice all the way through your works, you, in your writing, you know, you quote poetry, often ancient Chinese poetry, and lines from operas, the way some people would quote scriptures. Mm-hmm. It, seems, it seems that there's something very sacred for you in some of those kinds of texts. Well, I don't know, know about it. I think because I was so, grow up with it. Yeah. You know, like my grandfather... Well, he, he talk about love. It's like a, you know, American would say, "Put your mouth where your action is," and talk about how to how to love people. And uh, he would say something like, "You know, the wind shows its body through trembling leaves." It's something that you have to think about it, mm-hmm. and then you go and interpret it. And it's not like you read it, you understand it right away. Do you? I I've got um. Okay, I've got a couple of like. Would you be able to find something that you love, some piece of poetry or some lines in either of these books? Yes, I I, um, I like the one in the. And you could find them and just read them. I mean, something that's meaningful for you. I need to get an empress orchid. Okay, okay. And I didn't bring that one because it's okay. too heavy. Can, can you turn you it have... off and uh, I'm for a moment? Yeah. Yeah, it's in my suitcase. Okay, I have that one, but I didn't bring it. Anything else? That's it. I think we're... It's been a long... Good. Me too. I'm going to let you go in a minute. I realize this is going on a long time, but it's really wonderful.
Has your father read your book? He read, read Azalea. He did. It took him three months. Yeah. He read it with a dictionary. Oh, he read it in English? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So have your books been translated into Chinese? Underground. Okay. It's officially banned. Mm. Okay. I'm just going to adjust this microphone one more time, so I can't start reading yet. I believe it's in 56. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> Such a tortured expression on your face. Let's see. Want just one po- one poem or the situation? Yeah, tell the situation. Situation and why poem. it means why you're reading it, why it means something to you. Okay. Um, this paragraph means a lot to me because I think I have experienced a departure and departure with the family, with especially with my mother. And I think the departure of when I was sent to the labor camp, yeah, when I departed from the labor camp and uh, leaving all my loved ones behind, knowing that they would have no future, and also departure from China to America, and knowing that they would, knowing that I don't know my future, I might not make it here, and. Uh, also, the, the departure that I feel, you know, I was, you're talking about that split, the moment of making choice, and I, sometimes I don't look up at myself, because when I learned that my brother and my sister were rejected by American visas, and the consulate, American consulate says that the only chance that they can come to America to study is to have me go back to exchange, which mm. means I would go back to China for good. Mm. And I, I was not able to quit, you know, what I achieved here. Mm-hmm. And that was a very selfish act. And I, after I made that decision, then I talked to my father. I said, I couldn't live with it. I want to come to China. I want to, you know, I think in a way that Americans... All my old Chinese, my original Chineseness, that made me trying to be good. So I told my father, I want to come and let my sister have the chance. My father says, no way. Because you come home, that doesn't mean that they will get the visa. Mm-hmm. And then you will lose your visa for good. And the, my biggest fear is you, if China would ever have a conflict with America, you would be the first person to be denounced as American spy. Does that ring a sound to you that mm. when you were a child, you did it? So I ended up staying here. But that departure was always there. And then the final departure that my mother passed away. And uh, when I was writing in Orchid, and this come to me. Okay. So I'm going to read, read this to you, mm-hmm. the departure when Empress Orchid um, entered the Forbidden City. She was in her um, palaquin. 
Outside the gate, the horses had begun. I'm sorry. Outside the gate, the horses had begun to move. Bannermen carried dragon flags and yellow umbrellas. Among them were lady riders dressed in 16th-century Manchu warrior costumes. Hanging from the sides of their mounts were yellow ribbons tied to cooking ware. Behind the ladies was a flock of animals dyed red. It seemed like a rolling river of blood. When I looked again, I saw sheep and geese. It was said that these animals symbolized fortune well kept, and the red, the passion for life. I let down the curtain to hide my tears. I was preparing myself to not see my family for a long time. There was, this was what Mother wanted. I convinced myself. A poem she read to me when I was little came to mind. Like a singing river, you break out to flow freely. I am the mountain behind. Happily, I watch you. Memory of us, full and sweet. My memories were full and sweet indeed. They were all I had, and I was taking them with me. As soon as I felt that the pelican was moving steadily, I opened the slit in the back curtain and looked out. My family was no longer in sight. Dust and ceremonial guards blocked my view. Suddenly, I saw my blood. Suddenly, I saw my brother Guishan. He was still on all fours, with his head glued to the ground. My heart betrayed me, and I cracked like a Chinese lute, broken in the middle of its happy playing.、Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.、Um, is there anything else? I feel like we've been trying to talk about this huge subject, and there's probably so much more you know and could say. Is there anything I haven't asked you, or anything you'd want to add? <laughs> I hope I answered some of your questions. Oh, it's questions. great! Oh, it's just really great. I think this is so much about you know the human spirit. I mean, I think your story is so much about about what it means to be human, about、mm-hmm. about you know as you say your passion for life. Mm-hmm. Somehow that's surviving everything. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.、Mm. We, oh, oh, oh. Okay. All right. When Kate, yeah. Kate spoke with your.、Um, let me just ask it this way: Is it is it right that your mother was Christian? Oh yes. And that yes. you didn't know that. Right. She was. She was. If she was blunt or or、um, absent-minded with everything else, she was smart that she did not share who she really was with me. I could have very well reported her、mm-hmm. because that was you see how my neighbors denounced their fathers. Yeah, like, but how did you find out? It、then? was moved. Well, when they, I, I never found out until until I came before I came to America, probably.、Mm. Um, I、uh, I did discover. That's why I told you my mother was strange to me. Her behavior. Yes, yes. I would get up at midnight, 
and uh, went to the restroom, finding my father, my, I'm sorry, went to the restroom, finding my mother on her knees in the dark. And I said, Mama, what's going on? Are you all right? She says, I'm okay, fine. Never explain anything. So I grew up, always saw her like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought my mother was weird. And then only after the Cultural Revolution and before I came to America, China, the, the first church in China opened. And um, my mother went in the Christmas Eve. And I went with her and it, she never bothered to tell me where she went, why she went, what she was there for. She just went. And because she... she um. She had a stroke and she couldn't really walk well. So my father asked me to escort her. So I went there. I discovered in shock that she knew all the songs. Hmm. And I found the song was beautiful. Silent night. So I asked her to teach me the song. So she taught me a song. It was one of her happy moments, teaching me a song. We sang duet. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know what that sings to her. And then did she tell you that she'd been Christian? Or that she was Christian? No, she refused to discuss with, with me because huh. I think she was. She thought I was too brainwashed. Well, I I think I I, I joked with her. I said, um, "Well, you call God and and then see if 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 um, if God can help you get your your daughter, my younger sister, out of the labor camp." Hmm. So she became very serious. She told me that don't you ever insult God. I don't want to speak with you on that term. Did you ever have a conversation with her about that before she died? Learn more? No, I think she told me enough. Something, mm-hmm. I came here and I have great respect for Christianity mm-hmm. because of my mother. I think the way she raised me, every bit of it. Right, well then, you know, back to that her quoting Confucius at you, as I said, sounding like Jesus, then maybe she was really quoting Jesus at you. <laughs> right, right. And now, then, after I discovered her uh, her background, and I, f- re- I still remember, I did find strange books on the books that she, I, I remember from a keyhole the night before the Red Guard came in, and she and my father was burning some of the books. Hmm. And then there's some of the pages left. I saw the camel desert, like, uh, you know, uh, Arab-looking people. Hmm. So it must be her materials. Hmm. And your father is not Christian? Nope. Okay. He, but he, um, he, he, to please my mother, he made a pop-up book, Christian book for my mother for her birthday. And the pop-up book with uh, Jesus and, and, and uh, was born. Mary and Joseph and the, the pop-up book, you can, you can turn and they had the, the, the lights that, you know, flickering. So <laughs> he made that happen with a beautiful color. Yeah. And I, to me, it was nothing religious. It was something that he shows his love for my mother. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm glad you heard that. <laughs> Oh, hold on. I have one word I want to oh, add. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Are you on? Uh, I'm rolling. Okay. Okay. I think that 
The reason that my mother survived the Cultural Revolution was because of her faith in Christianity. Mm. Now I look at it. Because she was off. Like you see her, I, I saw her expression when she was denounced by her school people and uh, she, because she was having high blood pressure and she misprinted a long life to Chairman Mao and into no and become a no-no life to Chairman Mao, and she was denounced as, as an anti-revolutionary, and she was able to come come out of it. it I saw the absent-minded, that the absent, the, this 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 expression on her. She was not among us. She was off. Hmm. Now I know she she was off with her own God, hmm. and that was what supported her. The that she survived. And I think she tried to um, um, share that with us. And so all her life... To share it with, with you without, without talking about it in a way. Right. Just to share the spirit of it. Yes. I, I think that's really the essence of mm-hmm. if you ask me to believe in Jesus, I would believe in my mother's mm. teachings and her, her examples. Mm. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. So glad we did that. I'm glad yes. you had that. Thank you. You want to play some more piano for us? <laughs> 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 it's funny, I tell you. <laughs> yeah? Would it be, would it be useful? <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to be nervous. I have to, I have to kind of practice. Go ahead and practice if you want. For my country is the great river, the great mountains, and we will not allow the invaders to take it away from us. We're gonna fight till we die to protect our beautiful country. But this is a lousy plane. Oh, that's <laughs> We can edit the interview. Yeah, we can I don't know how, whether we'll be able to edit the piano playing. We can try. That's okay.
Vienna, we want to die. <laughs> What's the name of that song? Um, my Motherland. Mm. Uh, my, my tone is I can't sing. I wish I could sing it. It's too high. that killing Americans down with Americans into Picture of you looking up from the piano, that would be nice. Okay. <laughs> 